This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Army Futures Command is in charge of pushing novel ideas and modernizing the service. As such, the command itself needs a high-caliber workforce. Now the command has started refining the groups it targets for recruitment, using some of its own novel ideas for human capital. Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni spoke with the Army Futures Command's Chief Human Capital Officer, Kate Kelly. We are looking at the workforce that is internal to Army Futures Command, and we are looking at the Army workforce as well for a very interesting reason. Army Futures Command is charged with projecting and describing what that future fight might look like and therefore what is the equipment and the operational capacity and capability that's needed to respond in that future war fight. And you can't do that justice if you don't simultaneously talk about the skills and the talent and the behaviors that are needed to enable that future fight. And so what's really interesting about AFC is many people think it's exclusively focused on the equipping side. And while it certainly is, um, the bulk of who we are as a command is the science and research and technology and data analysis parts of the Army. Um, It is not exclusively to the equipment we are starting to build a narrative within ourselves and within the Army that we've got to scale the skill base in order to enable that future uh, nexus of both talent and equipment in that future fight. So the division document that we've put together speaks to ways that we want to do that and ways that we want to engage our workforce to help us do that. Well, I think that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is that Army Futures Command is known for being one of the more innovative commands, one that is pushing the Army forward. So why does this command need this change in in human capital? What does it provide? And what sort of demand signals are you seeing for the future fight in terms of what you'll need in skills and attributes of your soldiers? It's such an interesting time right now. There is so much dialogue on this very particular topic. Um, And it's internal to the DOD, internal to the federal workspace, and it's also in universities and private sector as well. And it's this conundrum of taking the current talent that we have and making sure that we are preparing it to operate in a future environment that is highly degraded, highly technical, highly agile, and very information and data focused. And so if you imagine the way we live our lives today compared to the way we lived our lives even 15, 20 years ago, every one of us has this cell phone in our hand, has this app that we use to enable our life, has this internet connectivity that keeps us connected with the community. And so that technological leaping that our, quite frankly, our world is doing around us is is obviously happening inside of the DOD space as well. So when we think about talent here and why is it important, it's because technology changes are literally happening daily. And we've got to figure out a way to mirror our skill changing uh, in line with those demands. So when we talk talent and we talk about why we do this, 
we've got to balance it with the fact that we've got a huge workforce in the federal government today and in the Army today who has a huge amount of depth and breadth and scope of experience, but we've got to make sure that we are simultaneously pushing that skill base for those future needs. What are some of the ways that you'll recruit the talent that you need? You know, how are you changing that? How are you bringing in diversity, uh, reaching out to young people, those, all those sorts of things? So a very interesting uh, lesson that, that was learned by us and by the Army this last year <clears throat> as we stood up the software factory. So right now today, there is no label anywhere in the Army construct, the HR construct, for software developer. Because essentially, the Army today outsources that skill set to private companies. So there was, there's nobody in the Army today that is known by Army systems as having uh, these types of skills. But we believed, it was a hypothesis, but we believed that those people actually did exist. And so we did not use traditional Army mechanisms. We literally did a LinkedIn campaign and a word-of-mouth campaign with some young majors who worked here at Army Futures Command through people that they had met through the first eight to nine years of their career in the Army. And we asked people to volunteer, send in an application package if they would like to do software development. And fast forward to the outcome, what did we learn? We learned that we have this skill already in the Army. It has just come into the Army for different reasons, and the Army trained it and labeled it something else. So we pulled our first and second cohorts of talent from our traditional Army branches, like infantry, like signal, like cyber, like um, military intelligence. So they've all been trained and labeled something else. But in, the, in their spare time, or in their first job, or while they were in college, they learned how to do some of this. And so that's the real innovation here and the real operational side of this. We now know that this talent is within and among us. We're now challenged with pulling it out from its traditional career path, upskilling it through this program. And then the next thing that we've got to lay down is how are we going to utilize this talent in the future? And that really sounds to me like the way that you're trying to pull the army outside of what people have called many times the industrialized talent management process. You know, there's no MOS for a typewriter operator any, anymore, right? You need to adapt with the times. And it seems like you're changing the, the structure of the army to really get to that 21st century place that you want to be. I couldn't have said it better. And I think what's so exciting about the intersection of AFC with the Army right now is that the Army itself is, I don't want to say for the first time, but certainly in the most recent time, placing its entire focus on people. The Army has always been about people, but we've always had missions and priorities that sound very much like modernization or equipment or readiness or deployability, right? Today, the Army focus and the priority is one word, and it's people. And that is a very, very powerful thing to think about, especially if you've been interacting with the DOD for a while now. Kate Kelly, the Army Futures Command's Chief Human Capital Officer, speaking with Federal News Network Scott Mossioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. 
Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees, Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. 
that notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, led This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling. Uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.